The following programme is made possible by the friends and partners of Creation Today. Live from the Creation Discovery Centre on the campus of the Institute for Creation Research in beautiful Dallas, Texas, here's your Creation Today host, Eric Povind. If God is a God of love, then what do we do with things like disease, uh, parasites, suffering, evil, and ultimately death? Many have used these problems as their anthem against the God of the Bible. But what if the very argument against God is actually something that is profound evidence for God's existence? Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Welcome to the Creation Today Show. I'm your host, Eric Hovind, and I'm so excited to be with you guys today. I am in the ICR studio here at the Institute for Creation Research in Dallas, Texas, and we have been having a great time with the ICR staff this week. And I've got a special guest for you guys. I can't wait for you guys to meet. He's a friend and been a friend for years. Dr. Frank Sherwin. Dr. Frank, welcome to the Creation Today Show. <laughs> Eric, it's always a privilege. Man, what a, what a blessing to be here where you've been for the last... You've been 14. Here for, for, 14 years. 14 years here at ICR at Dallas. Well, in at Dallas. Dallas right. But ICR overall, you, you started ICR after you left Pensacola, right? Right, and so I've been with ICR since 96. 1996. Well, 1890. 1896. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, Frank, we got, we got kind of a... Well, it's a heavy topic today, and I'm, um, I, I realize that this is something that really is emotional for people, uh, especially we've just come through a pandemic. We've watched people experience suffering. Uh, many people have you know, illnesses and are, are suffering from different diseases, or they've just lost somebody. We're feeling this pain, and so I wanted to bring up this concept of pain and death and kind of paint a picture of the world we live in today, and then maybe paint a picture of could this same world you know, present two different views? So, ah, I, I, I want to get into this, but well, first of all, let me let me just welcome our studio audience. Hey, if you guys are joining me on Facebook or on YouTube, uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it. Hey, if you're joining me from uh, from our partners on the Zoom right now, I really appreciate you guys supporting the Creation Today Show and being part of the work that we are doing. Uh, I we got because we're here. We're, we're actually producing something that I think. You're going to really love, I'll tell you about that in the next month or two, but I think you're really going to love what we've been working on here. Uh, you even had some lines in what we're working on here. Yeah, so, yeah uh, I was uh, very privileged. Dr. Sherwin was part of this <laughs> little project that we're doing, so super excited about that. But thank you guys so much for joining me. Sometimes when we do these shows, we like to do a giveaway, and so since we're here at ICR, I said, hey, Frank, what of yours can you would you be willing to pay for? I forgot that that's how, I didn't tell you that's how this works, but uh, uh, what, what is Frank going to buy for everybody? He said, you know what, the fossil record book that you did with John Morris, I think this is the perfect giveaway. If you guys want to take advantage and try to win a copy of this, the ladies over in Pensacola at the studio in Pensacola are going to pick somebody. All you have to do is, uh, I got to make them do something. Tell us, tell us where you're from. And tell us what the temperature is. That way we know exactly where you're at and how hot or cold it is. 
where you're at right now. Okay, so just put that in the chat wherever you're listening, and uh, the ladies in the office will will pick somebody to win. What a what a great book! Give give me real quick because. People use fossils as evidence of evolution. What, what, what are you guys doing yeah, here? Well, basically what we say, Eric, is that floods form fossils fast. Oh, I, I like that. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, and so if this planet did suffer a catastrophic deluge 4,500 years ago that lasted one year, then we would expect to find the results of that in the sedimentary rock units throughout the world. And not surprisingly, that's exactly what we find. I love it. You know, this is just, sorry, sidetrack for you guys here just a second. This is something that I find, um, I, I wonder why more people can't think through that process. Because when an animal dies today, it doesn't normally turn into a fossil. Hardly ever. Right. So when you take even the uniformitarianism concept of the present is the key to the past, when we look at actions today, they don't form fossils. Why would we expect fossils to form in the past? Like, yeah. and, and how many fossils are there? There's a lot of fossils. Trillions. Just trillions. trillions of fossils out there. And about uh, 95, 98% of them are marine invertebrates. That's a fancy way of saying clams. <laughs> okay. So a vast, vast majority of all fossils are clams. And those don't, when they die, I mean, I'm from Pensacola. You used to live right there on the beaches in Pensacola. <laughs> you don't typically find clams that are uh, in the process of fossilization no, there at uh -uh. the beach. No, no. The normal processes. The normal process. Break them down. Something catastrophic happened in the past. And for example, one of my favorite fossils has to be the trilobite. And the trilobite is an invertebrate. It's, a, it's an arthropod. It has pair jointed appendages and a chitinous exoskeleton. But the eye anatomy of the trilobite is incredible. Now, it's been extinct. So how do we know about the eye anatomy? Answer, it was buried suddenly and very, very quickly, preserving uh, the, the morphology, the details of the eye that scientists today can make an analysis of. That is fantastic. So how would you fossilize an eye under normal normal conditions? Like yeah. Well, you know, they would have to be rapidly and catastrophically buried so that predators and scavengers wouldn't be able to get in there, and not even bacteria that usually degrade something. So it's got to be very suddenly buried, like a... Um, well, maybe a flood could do something <laughs> maybe, like that. Maybe, maybe I like that. <laughs> what was the phrase again? So Floods form fossils fast. I like that. Floods form fossils fast. And that's the only thing that can explain the fossilization that we have around the world today. Yeah, incredibly well preserved. If you want a copy of Frank's book, man, let me tell you, put in where you're from and what temperature it was. I got to make up something every time, right? <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm curious where it is. And uh, we'll pick several winners to send out this book to. So, uh, oh, that's awesome. Thanks for paying for that too. We appreciate that. <laughs> hey, today's topic really is a, a little bit, um, it's, it's heavy. Um, what kind of a world do we see when we look around today? When we look at the, around the world today, obviously we see evidence for creation. The Apostle Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, that God's creation is not only seen, but Paul adds an extra word. He says that God's creation is clearly seen. Mm -hmm. Clearly seen, that means painfully obvious. That means that you can't help but see evidence for creation. Now, I believe that talks about God's love for us. God loves us so much that he has made his living creation, even though it's been corrupted by sin, 
uh, very easy to see, so that, as Paul says at the end of verse 20, they are without excuse. And so we, we do see evidence for creation, yet at the same time we live in what we call a fallen world, mm-hmm. a world that God cursed because of the incredible sin. And so what we find is in Genesis chapter 3, in verse 1, Satan, the great deceiver, and the very first words out of Satan's mouth is, yea, hath God said. Yeah. In other words, questioning God's authority. That's a problem today, as it was back in the garden thousands of years ago. And so with that introduction, into questioning God and his authority, we had our first parents, Adam and Eve, that fell. And they fell. God cursed the earth. He cursed the earth as we read about in the opening chapters of Genesis with thorns and thistles, uh, weeds. Mm. Um, My field is parasites. I believe that's when parasites made their appearance. And also, for example, mutations, genetic mistakes. Now, we have to be careful because you can't find in Scripture references to mutations and parasites, but it seems to make sense as God has cursed the earth with these things, weeds and thorns and thistles, that parasites and mutations would be part of that. Okay, so you got me fascinated already because I've heard skeptics talk about the Bible. And man, I left my Bible in your cafeteria right over there. So <laughs> sorry, I don't have it right here. But they, 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 they talk about the Bible and they go, um, hang on, you the, the in order to have digestion, in order for Adam and Eve to eat off the tree <laughs> uh, and have you know food that was good to eat... Uh, You've got to have these, you know, bacteria, parasites, and and maybe I'm, well, I already know I am ignorant on this subject, okay? (laughs) But when they talk about this, how how does the, like, creation science look at what you just said with, when did things come in? Was life, is life possible without these things? Is it like, oh, there's the good side and their bad side and... Can you kind of describe that? Oh, yeah. And so what you're referring to is a microbiome that we have in our large intestine and that those bacteria make uh, and synthesize B vitamins and such and also help with the digestive process. And so the microbiome is an extremely important part of our our physiology, as it were, not only the microbiome in our large intestine, but also the microbiome we find, for example, in our eye. I wrote an article about that, the eye's microbiome and the skin microbiome. And so that's all part of God's creation. That's not necessarily a corruption. Okay. So at the fall, you see corruption coming in. So before that, you've got bacteria, you've got, well, I know there's like, there's good E. coli. I remember talking to Dr. Andy Favich about that. There's good E. coli and bad E. coli. So it all depends on where you find it. Oh, that's, that's, that's the big deal there. Where is it at? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So take us through what you think happened and what the results are. What are we seeing today that you would say, I attribute that to the fall? Yeah, well, basically, we would say things like mutations. Now, there are some good mutations, you know, some mutations that occur. And by I have to explain what I mean by that, because where we have in lymphatic tissue, we have lymphocytes that have to undergo uh, programming. That programming involves a mutation, a very specific mutations to help with the programming of these white blood cells called lymphocytes. And by the way, there are, before, you know, the atheists say, oh, there we go. Uh, We have to understand that there are um, uh, enzymes that help with those mutations in order to 
uh, help to program those lymphocytes. So that's not a, a point for evolution. And so what we find, I think, is that uh, parasites, they're very deleterious parasites. And, and of course, that gets into Can you tell me what deleterious means? Really, really that's bad. That's bad, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I figured, it sounded like one of those words that means really bad. Okay. Yeah. And so it's very difficult for evolutionists and creationists to define a parasite. Okay. We have internal oh. parasites. We have external parasites. It's called endo and ectoparasites. Uh, where does a parasite actually actually cause a, a problem in the physiology of the individual? Because now we're finding out there are some parasites, and we've known this for decades, that are not necessarily bad, not necessarily deleterious. Okay. And for example, one French parasitologist said in 1998 that Everything is parasitic. We're in, you know, you're either a host or you're a parasite in One the world, the you know, because the you know, parasites are so ubiquitous. It's it's hard to maybe uh, draw the line there, and so what we find is there are definitely parasites that are bad that you don't want to have. For example, malaria would be part Got of it. of um, the you know the curse we believe. I always thought of that as a virus. It's a virus parasite. No, that's no, good it's, it's, two a, it's a single cell creature. In years oh. past. Um, Parasitologists and zoologists call them uh, uh, protozoa, but that's an archaic term. So now we just say a, a single-celled animal. Okay. So it's not definitely not a virus. And so these, uh, for example, malaria, okay. and, and um, one-half million African children per year die of malaria. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's one of the sadder things I can say uh, during our interview oh. is that so many uh, die. And, you know, in order to break the, the cycle of the life cycle of the malaria, you've got to be able to uh, sleep under mosquito netting and wear DEET, you know, anti uh, uh, um, like a repellent yeah, type re thing. mosquito repellent okay. that type of thing uh, also take uh, uh, drugs and so there's a lot of things that you can do but a half million children per wow. year is is very very tragic but the the plasmodium that is the malaria parasite undergoes a very very sophisticated life cycle in order to find its way into the red blood cells of a vertebrate host that is the person and it goes through the mosquito and so that's um, it was only until you know a little over a century ago that they really began to establish the detailed life cycle of something like malaria but getting back to your question we would consider that deleterious we yeah. would say that that would be bad Part and of there's the curse. many yeah there's many others there's for example worms called helminths uh, that people can get infected with. And, if somebody you know, wants to look that up, do you have a helminth? Yeah, a helminth, H-E-L-M-I-N-T-H. It means a worm, basically. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's a parasitic worm? Yeah, a parasitic helminth. worm. And so you get these tissue-dwelling parasites or helminths that live in the tissues of an individual. We're talking about uh, equatorial regions. Okay. And uh, what happens is they block the uh, lymphatic vessels in the lower extremities. And you've heard the phrase elephant yeah. where people get very enlarged legs. Yeah, they and just start that. swelling up. Yeah, and the term elephantiasis is not really scientific because it means a condition caused by elephants. <laughs> and that's, that's not really the <laughs> when case. Really, it's just the look yeah. because yeah, the fetus the look, is swollen, exactly. it looks like yeah, an elephant yeah. uh, leg. And, and so that, that's um, the, the microfilaria, the very small worms, block the lymphatic ducts that return lymph, usually return lymph, like right now as we're sitting here, through the heart and is circulating and all that. But uh, when 
when a person is bit by certain arthropods, then they are inoculated with this tissue-dwelling parasite that causes elephantiasis. As a matter of fact, uh, some of the Egyptian kings, they have done carvings, one in particular, and it shows his greatly distended leg there, which scientists feel probably was a situation with that he's, uh, you know, um, experienced this elephantiasis, this condition, this tissue-dwelling parasite. Wow. And so, you know, Eric, we're called the Institute for Creation Research. Research. So we're still researching this. You know, we're not the Institute for Creation Answers. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that is, I tell you, that is what I find fascinating is you, you guys are encouraging more people to, hey, Get your doctorate degree. Let's let's follow the lineage of the scientists of the past who yeah. were trying to discover God's beauty in the universe and God's yeah. design. And that's that's where Kelvin and Pasteur and Boyle and that's yeah. where all these guys came from. Yeah. They had no problem in doing science and believing God's word from the very first verse. So we at ICR, you know, we uh, want to think God's thoughts after him. Yes. We understand that God was there in the beginning and that he has created all things. And of course, now we're experiencing what our first parents, the sin that mm. they did, and we are inheriting that. And so now today we say, born once, you die twice. But right. if you're born twice, you die only once. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. And that's, that's all due to you know, the, the sin nature that we have inherited. We need the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. who is yeah. the creator and sustainer of life. For people out there that don't really understand that phrase, uh, maybe you weren't grown, haven't grown up in church or you're not skeptic enough to have studied what Christians believe, Could, take, take 30 seconds and unpackage that born mm-hmm. Twice, yeah, or uh, born once. Yeah, twice. if you're born once, that's a physical birth, okay? Right. But then, as Jesus says in John chapter 3, you must, must be, be born, born again. again. And so he's talking about a spiritual mm. rebirth. And so if you're born only once, if you reject the gospel, then you're going to die twice. Everybody dies physically, yep. but then you would die spiritually as well. And God is holy. He will not allow sin in his presence. Mm. Therefore, that person is destined. Uh, uh, to be without Christ, to be yeah. to be in hell. But if a person comes to the realization, this age of accountability, that they understand they need a Savior, their sin is separating them from a holy God, and that only the work of Jesus Christ, I should say the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, will forgive our sins, past, future, and present. And because mm-hmm. of that, a person becomes, John chapter 3, born Born again. again. And of course, Nicodemus wondered, well, what are you you talking about? We understand what Nicodemus and Jesus, the interaction that they had there. But for when a person is born twice, both physically and spiritually, then they're only going to die once. And that's a physical death that we'll all experience if the Lord should tarry. And that's what I love about ICR. I mean, we talk about the the founders of modern science, Mm -hmm. and they were looking for God's design in Scripture and in nature. So they saw God's Word and God's world coming together. And I almost wonder I, I can't I can't help but think that God's gonna do this and so you don't have to toot your own horn but the <laughs> scientists that I've met here and what you guys are doing like what if a hundred years from now modern science is what guys at ICR have done to help take us even further in that next level because we're still dealing with scientists from hundreds of years ago calling it modern science like that's right. still yeah. the quote modern science and it's hundreds of years old okay back back to the curse is there is there any way like with malaria and you talk about breaking the life cycle is there any way where we could rid the world 
of these bad things? Is it like, man, if we all get together and we say we're really gonna, we're we're gonna make sure nobody gets bit by a mosquito to spread that malaria, <laughs> and we're just gonna be extra careful, and we just need it to for if we can do one year, we could get like, is there any way of doing that, or is it like no way? This we live in a sin cursed world. Yeah, what we have to do is look at, for example, in my field of parasites, and look at the life cycle, and then determine what can be done. And so it, it, there is good news because there is a certain parasite that people. People uh, get by drinking infected water in equatorial regions. It's called Dracunculus medinensis. That's oh a, my word! <laughs> that's a <laughs> that's a genus species name of the uh, of a particular worm. You that looked that up get. on your own. I'm I'm not even going to try to spell that one. Okay. But yeah, but this uh, this particular worm uh, uh, lives in the hemocele, which is uh, a, of a copepod, a freshwater copepod. So let me kind of take it really quick. Okay. People uh, bring their c- containers down to a well in equatorial regions and fill their containers uh, at this well. It's a fresh water. And sometimes they have to step in the water to get the, uh, the, the water there and then take it back. Well, what happens is uh, people who are infected with this parasite, uh, when they put their foot in the water, it's, it's part of the uterus of the worm that fractures and releases hundreds of thousands of, of these very, very small uh, 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 stages of this particular parasite, and who eats them up? This very tiny copepod. It's a uh, an aquatic insect, basically copepod, okay. and a copepod is is almost microscopic. It's very small. The copepod eats these immature stages, what we call larvae, and the larvae begins to develop in the hemocele of the copepod. Well, meanwhile, people are getting the water from the well, and they're drinking it, and the copepod is uh, ingested into the individual. The hemocele is digested out, but not the parasite. The parasite isn't killed. The parasite gets in the bloodstream. Oh, of no. the individual and migrates down to the leg or the foot and it gets bigger and bigger and as it gets bigger it begins to ulcerate from the inside you've heard of an ulcer i have it causes an ulcer from the inside of the skin and it's literally the parasite growing inside the parasite growing inside the individual's leg or foot and and so as it secretes these proteolytic enzymes enzymes that break down uh, protein uh, sometimes a person notices, maybe sometimes they don't or they don't care, and they keep going to the water. And when their foot touches the water, that isotonic stimulus causes the loop of the uterus of this worm to fracture, as I say, and the parasite life cycle is oh complete. It's between a copepod and a person. Now, there is good news since you asked. This goes back to your original question. All people have to do is use a filter. Hmm. in the water that they drink, or they can heat the water to kill the copepod. It causes a protein to get denatured and all. And so it looks like that they'll go ahead and be able to not have Dracunculus metanensis, that's called the guinea worm, uh, anymore just because of education, for example. Educating people, if you're infected, don't go. Uh, You've maybe seen pictures of people using a matchstick and twisting the matchstick one time every 24 hours, and that parasite, which is in the the, uh, individual, can be pulled out. If you just see the Loop are you kidding? Pull it, yeah. Oh, so, so they put, are you serious? Yeah. I mean, like already your description is is like it, I've, I've got like I've got chills and I got this just like got to take a shower. The idea of something growing inside your yeah. body like yeah. that's and and so they they use a matchstick and they and, and I twist I it. didn't mean that as a as if it's a baby that's supposed to be in there. Okay, yeah. if you uh, anyway, well, don't yeah, take that yeah. out of context. Yeah. But uh, and so anyway, that looks like that's one parasite that we'll be able to control. 
Wow. And you would look at that, dr- dr- how do you say Dracunculus it Medinensis. Medinensis. Yeah. You would look at that and say, part of the curse, not part of yeah. God's original design, exactly. cursed world. Part of the curse. Right. So is it like going back to Genesis 3, is it a... How did that, I mean, how did, is it just, okay, now mutations and now this? Like, how how did that happen? Now, we can conjecture and we can hypothesize. Do evolutionists do that? Well, of course, yes. We think maybe, possibly could have. (laughs) I mean, there there are words out there to describe, you know, their conclusions are... So we were not there to see the curse happen and take notes and make observations. And empirical science is mostly observation, just sitting down and observing something and all. And so we weren't there to see it. So we, we have to conjecture. We have to give a hypothesis, nothing wrong with that, as to what we see today and then go back to the beginning and and give some, you know, we would predict that. That's a hypothesis. And so I would say as a creation parasitologist that before the fall that you had these worms, these helmets I was talking about, free living, for example, in the environment, in the soil. There's a particular parasite, it's a parasitic worm that gets fat, dumb, and happy just living in the soil, okay? But when an individual gets in the way, you know, they want, somehow would ingest that, you know, not knowingly, but ingest it, it becomes established in the individual and grows in the individual. And some of these parasites can be pretty devastating. But uh, prior to the fall, um, that, was, that did not happen. And only after God cursed the earth, did we find that that you have uh, free living creatures that became parasitic? Now, here's something is I think is important. Parasites are uh, they are very much dependent on their host, an individual, meaning a person or an animal or a plant, and so they're very dependent on them because they don't have. Uh, all of the systems that we have. So what we're saying is in parasitology that these these parasites have a net loss of information. Okay. And that fits that the creation model. It does very much. And so we have a net loss of information. They are dependent upon uh, the, the host. Whereas possibly before it's they were inter or in independent versus yeah. interdependent on yeah, a host. Right. They were independent. They were just living out in the environment without a problem. And now the dependency is part potentially part of the curse. Right. And that's yeah. that's an and, interesting way to look at it. And that, that's why we have so many parasites today and why it's so hard to define what a parasite is. There's uh, two evolutionists back in the mid-1990s that said, you know, that you can almost see them putting their hands up in frustration. And finally, they said in their book, which I have in my office there, uh, they said that uh, parasite is something that is studied by parasitologists. That's their definition. That's their definition. (laughs) If you study it, it's a parasite. That's That's great. Oh, that's great. Way to round it out. Um, hey, uh, if you're on social media, we offered a giveaway of, uh, of Dr. Frank uh, Sherwin's book. He did this along with Dr. John Morris, uh, who is one of Henry Morris's sons. So just just so you know, this is special for me because we look at I look at Henry Morris and Dwayne Gish and uh, uh, Whitcomb, John Whitcomb, as kind of creationist 1.0 in the guys that were in their circle. And I look at you, Dr. Frank Sherwin, I look at uh, uh, the, the Dr. John Morris, and I look at the guys here, kind of as, or some of the guys here, as kind of creationist 2.0. And so I find myself sitting here go, well, I don't have the doctorate yet. I don't know if my wife would uh, let me uh, abandon her for a couple of years to get that. But uh, 
But I'm, I'm kind of creationist 3.0, uh, and we have even kind of my age friends of mine. Micah Bowman is here getting his doctorate in biology, and I'm, I'm so thankful about that. And then even 4.0, the next generation coming up, so I'm so thankful. Uh, but you and John Morris did this one on Fossils, the Fossil Records, and we've got some winners. Let's see here. Uh, on the For my Creation Today partners, I've got, uh, oh, are you guys not, oh, they're not giving any away to social media. Are you serious, ladies? They, <laughs> YouTube and Facebook. You guys got hosed on this one, man. They're not giving you anything, but I got a couple partners here that we're going to give it to. Oh, unless you're putting it in now. Uh, Creation Day partner, uh, Mariah Smith from Wyoming, and it is 19 degrees in Wyoming. God bless you. My daughter is headed back there. She's at Jackson Hole Bible College right now, and they're on a seven-day trip. They've just been to the Ark Encounter up in Kentucky, and they're headed back to Jackson Hole Bible College. So, Mariah, thanks so much for hanging out with us. And then uh, another Creation Today partner uh, is William Fisher. William Fisher from Idaho, 36 degrees in Idaho. What are we here today? It's feeling pretty good out there. We're 79 degrees. 79 degrees. Man, you say it with that <laughs> with that perfect voice, too. Do you do audiobooks, Frank? Because I'm telling you. I, I, I would like to, but I used to work at a radio station in Gunnison, Colorado, uh, KGUC, you, and uh, it got really cold there. <laughs> you, you have the voice, man. Let me tell you, I love that, that voice. Well, guys, congratulations for those of you on Facebook and YouTube. You'll have to join us another time or find the girls when they're on a, you know, day when they just want to be nice to everybody. I don't know. Uh, no, just kidding. Amanda, Marlissa, uh, Amber, uh, forgive me. Um, but uh, no, thanks for hooking up some of our partners with this book. And I'll have, uh, I'll have Dr. Frank Sherwin sign this before we ship it out to you guys. That'd be awesome. Uh, hey, for my social media out there, thank you guys for joining us. I'm going to stick around because I'm going to ask Dr. Sherwin, well, what, what are the good things that we see in God's world? I mean, if, if these bad things are, are, are part of the curse, what about the good things? Not to mention, I got to throw this in before, sorry, I got to throw this in before you guys leave. Um, the concept of good and bad, I want to get into that. If we take God out of the picture and we're only dealing with the natural world, there's no way for you and I to even get upset or frustrated by these parasites. They're just doing their thing. They evolved to do that. So there's not even a reason to be frustrated by the parasites or by the pain and the disease that they cause. You cannot be frustrated without standing on a Christian worldview and saying, look, there's a God who created it perfect, and it's not perfect anymore because we sinned, we messed up. So that's where we're going in the next half hour. If you want to join me, I welcome you to come over to creationtoday.org and become a partner of Creation Today. And you can jump on and join us for the rest of this conversation and for all of our conversations, past, present, and future would love for you guys to to be on there. What are we talking about next week, ladies? I I, I completely forgot. Kent, what? Oh, Mormons. I, I got uh, my friend who's also here in Texas. I should say hey to him while I'm here. Uh, Dr. James Walker. I asked him to join me because I want to contrast for us. Because if you don't know, this is kind of a discipleship program that the creation, the people that partner with Creation Today. We just kind of want weekly discipleship that's taking us deeper into God's Word and God's world and seeing how science and Scripture come together. But I asked Doctor uh, Doctor Walker to take us through the Book of Mormon versus the Bible, and let's really examine: is are they both from God? Is one from God? Like, how do these compare? When we hold up the Bible as the Word of God, can we say the same about the Book of Mormon? And let's apply some some critical thinking to both and see 
what happens. So we're going to be doing that next week. I hope you can join me live 12 noon right on social media. For my podcast listeners and for those of you on the Creation Today show that watch me, thank you so much for hanging out with Dr. Sherwin and I. Doc, I really do appreciate the work that you've done and the blessing you are to the body of Christ. It really is incredible. Would love to see you guys next week. Well, Doc, we're going to keep going here. And for our partners, uh, I'm going to jump over for you guys onto Zoom, and I'm going to open up the chat. If you guys have questions or that you want to ask Dr. Frank, you feel free to fire them away, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll ask those to him. Chat. Oh, you guys, wow, you guys got a lot of chat going on. Okay, all right. Let's, uh, <laughs> I'll start reading that. But, Doc, I want you to go through, um, uh, are there any other, uh, like, you want to do any more deleterious uh, items or the, the bad things. Uh, and then after you're done with all the bad news, I want some good news about God's creation that you've seen. Okay. 